I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Explorers. When I landed in Montana, it was zero degrees Fahrenheit, and it only got colder. This bank sign says it is a crisp negative four degrees, which I definitely believe. From the Bozeman Yellowstone Airport, the drive to Livingston, Montana, my first stop, should have taken about 30 minutes, but the area got about a foot of snow the night before, and the entire road was covered by alternating snowdrifts and sheets of black ice. It was not an easy drive. But when I got to my destination, I started feeling better almost immediately. But there's several great little bars with neon lights on this strip. So I'm feeling okay about it. The only person out right now. The whole town and myself. So that wasn't true. As it turns out, a lot of people were in town, but they were inside, drinking. This is what it sounds like to go out in negative degree weather in Livingston, Montana, while making some new friends. Did you know my brother Kurt? He was born in 62. I remember it well. Mom was surprised. She thought she was menopausal when she got pregnant. And honestly, like, I probably wouldn't have known it was Jeff Bridges, but it was like right after I had seen Starman and he was looking up at the sky like he was Starman. I got his autograph a few different times. And at the end, he like knew, he's like, what are you doing with this? And I'm like, I'm still in carnies for free games. So he signed me another autograph. And I thought it was amazing. My sister, who is much younger than me, she's like, Mr. Mom is sitting behind us. And I'm like, yep, Michael Keaton was right behind me. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was just weird. My grandfather's family um, immigrated over from Norway. They were supposed to come over on the Titanic. Two of the girls got rheumatic fever, some some illness to where they were not able to travel. So they didn't end up, they came over a month later on the sister ship. We were drinking in the Owl Lounge. It has a vintage neon sign, extremely cheap drinks, and it's been open for about 50 years. Apparently it used to have shag carpeting. But the owner at that time, I'm sure, smoked stogies. Like he was bartending with a stogie yeah. in his mouth all the yeah, time. Yeah, no, so, it, it, it uh, smelled like cigars. Livingston is known as the Northern Gateway to Yellowstone National Park. Numerous people here called it verbatim a real cowboy town. Celebrities like the aforementioned Jeff Bridges and Michael Keaton have homes in the area. And writers like Russell Chatham and Jim Harrison lived and drank here. Okay, so this was the writer's bar, and when they would publish a book, Dana Latch was the bartender. Yes, and he would, they would come in and they give him their book that was published and it would go there. And so you have to look up all the authors and the writers in Livingston. There's great energy, new energy that is coming in and uh, is bringing new stuff. But it's a poor community 
and it always has been, and we make most of it. But it's an old town. The buildings are old. The signs are old. A lot of the stories are old. The businesses in all these buildings have changed hundreds of times, but all the buildings, well, except for the ones that burned down famously, which is, I think it's pretty typical of a town of this age, incorporated in 1883. It was really built around the Northern Pacific Railway. And some forms of gambling are actually legal here in Montana. So at bars, you'll find video slot or video poker machines, or even Shake-A-Day, which is like Yahtzee, but with a cash prize. Paula, how does this work? Okay, you get two rolls. Okay. And you have to roll five of a kind and one shake. That's, okay, that's If you roll four of a kind, you get a free drink. But five of a kind is what you're trying to get in one roll. All right, I don't do this a lot. No, I've never heard of it. I know how to do this for the Yahtzee. All right. Again, pretty close though, you have to admit. How often do people win? It sounds very lame, but there is just something special in the air here. And it wasn't just the wind chill freezing my nose hair. This is the type of quote unquote hidden gem destination publications like Thrillist are always writing about. We have written about Livingston much to the chagrin of some locals. You know what? We don't want you to come here. We don't want you to change our life. You know, we don't want your money. Okay. We just want to be what we are. Okay. So when people like us, like throw us cover and they're like, well, this is a great place to go. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't Look, hit you the right way. It is a great pe place to go, but go and visit. Don't stay. Don't freaking make it so the people who've been living here our entire life can't afford to live. Yeah. Like, be passionate about Livingston. Bring us money for the people who are living here. And then Don't, go yeah. And then go home. Okay. <laughs> it's a different type of cold, honestly. Oh! All right. Holy shit. This area of Montana, Livingston, and especially nearby Bozeman, are some of the most rapidly growing cities in the country. Housing prices are skyrocketing, and tourism, with so many people seeking out rural adventures in the age of COVID, is absolutely booming. At one point, people came to these towns for their close proximity to numerous natural wonders. Now they're coming here just to hang out at the bars, at the art galleries, or at the Murray Hotel, where I happen to be staying for the night. Lit by a neon sign that towers over the town's main drag, the lobby of the hotel is filled with taxidermied animals, marble counters, vintage furniture. It looks like a set dressed as a historic mountain hotel, which, of course, it is. My name is Malcolm Cox. I am the general manager of the Murray Hotel in Livingston, Montana. One of the things that I really love is that it was first opened by a woman. Her name was Josephine Klein. They were constructing it in 1903, opened in 1904. The first two floors are the original, original hotel. A lot of people find us 
just by accident, you know, they stumble upon, a, upon here and they love it, you know, like I have. <laughs> Despite the remote location, the hotel is frequented by a slew of politicians and celebrities. Anthony Bourdain named it one of his 10 favorite hotels in the entire world. And much of the intrigue is focused around the hotel's notorious Peckinpah suite. So originally it was three or four separate rooms, and in the 1920s, this wealthy young man, you know, partygoer, decided to purchase the room and combine three of them together. In the late 70s, the director, Sam Peckinpah, who made a lot of westerns, he decided to take up residence here, essentially, him and his something of like six or eight cats. <laughs> yeah, he was a partier or a smoker, and he was just a life of the town, and he would spend his days in the bar, go upstairs and sleep in his apartment. Uh, so we named it after him, Sam Peckinpah. And he said that there's still bullet holes in there? From- Not anymore, because okay. it was letting in water. <laughs> okay. You know, that did have to be patched, but Sam would sit on his back and uh, shoot at the ceiling in the morning, you know? Want to run upstairs? Yes, we're checking in. Uh, oh, last name. Uh, we're for back. Peckinpah. Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about the Peck and Paw suite. Well, I'm excited. Unreal, yeah. The hotel is also famous for its in-house bar and two very celebrated restaurants. Brian Menguez came in and he really revitalized the area. He originally got the bistro, called it Second Street Bistro, and then he got the Murray Bar. And in 2009, he bought Gill's Goods, which used to be a gift shop here. He's really helped put us on the map because, you know, he's a chef and does a great job. We're experiencing a boom of some sort, you know, like Bozeman, which is just 30 minutes from Livingston, is growing really, really fast, and that is running over and spilling over into the valley and into Livingston here. A big problem is that we do have a lot of people coming here and buying houses and just having them be Airbnbs. So we just really want people to invest in local. Like, if you're going to stay in Livingston, stay in a historic place like this, you know, eat at our restaurants, shop at our shops, you know, like, We took a long time to get to this point, so if you're going to come here, please respect that and please just invest in our local businesses, you know? Um, Like, just everyone's personality is very welcoming, and we like to share our little place with people. Awesome. Is that the world's tallest man photo? Yeah. uh, Robert Wapa. He stayed here in when he was like late teens or early 20s. He was so tall he had to sit down in our elevator, which is still the original elevator of the hotel, you know? When I woke up, the bank sign across from the Murray Hotel confirmed what I already felt in my bones. It was literally negative 10 degrees at 9 a.m. But still, I got into my rental Jeep and drove about 45 minutes south to the Chico Hot Springs, a resort famous amongst locals for its bars, restaurants, hotel, and obviously, hot springs. Despite fearing for my life every time I needed to turn, brake, or push the accelerator, it was probably one of the most gorgeous drives of my life. We're a half an hour from Yellowstone National Park and 30 miles south of Livingston, but it's a river, it's a glacial river valley, so um, the Yellowstone River flows down the heart of it. It's a really wide open valley with mountains on both sides. And I mean, for me, every day driving to work is an adventure. There's always something to look at. There's a herd of elk, there's an eagle or two every day. I mean, it's truly, truly idyllic. What is the history here? How did this place kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, spring up? 
spring up. That's good. That might have to steal that. <laughs> it's all yours. This is Colin Davis. He owns the Chico Hot Springs with his wife, Sebring. So um, the genesis was people coming into the gulch looking for gold. I mean, that was prior the hot springs existed. The Native Americans used to come through, and it was sort of a sacred spot for them. But when uh, when miners came looking for gold, this became a place where they would come do their laundry, come swim, come clean, come soak, come grab water. And there was a camp cook named Chico who did their laundry and cooked for them, and they just nicknamed this place Chico based on him. In 1900, the land was bought by a local couple who turned it into a 20-room hotel. Since then, the property has grown to a full-blown mountain resort. It's been iconic in Montana. It's a local's haunt, and people, people come to get away. It's, you know, it's old school in a lot of respects. They have one of the oldest saloons in the state. Their dining room, run by head chef Dave Wells, has earned two James Beard nominations. But still, the main draw of Chico is their hot springs. But it's thermal activity out of Yellowstone National Park. It's, you know, it comes out of the, the ground at about 108, and by the time it hits the, the small pool, it's about 103. There's a lot of hot springs across the state, you know, in almost every corner of it. But I think it's really the fact that it's organic, that it's nature. It's just an experience. It's open air, and right now, what is it, eight degrees and eight below or whatever. And I think it's eight below. Yeah, and there's a few, there's a few people in the pool, the brave ones. And it's over right now? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I kind of want to do it. There you go. Where, where is it exactly? I can, I can help you with that. Could so you? it's right out the window. See, you see all that steam coming up? Oh, yeah, I do. So I do look around. The steam, I was just out there with some guys. The steam is so thick. You can barely, you can't see across the pool. Or you can keep your hat on. <laughs> I have my bathing It's not a bad idea. It'd be silly to come this far. And it not. would be, right? I resisted the urge to snag a PBR in the saloon and instead headed to the men's locker room to prep for a sub-zero dip. Uh, since our son's been three, we've been coming here on President's Day weekend, on usually Wednesday, but today was a little different for say 16 now, so 13 years. What do you like about it? Uh, I'm not sure, because it's frigid cold and it's a long, icy drive, but the kids say, we always come here, we have to come here. So that's why we're here today. <laughs> If it was nice, we'd be here, no problem. But the kids got us here today. I'm from uh, Bloomington, Minnesota, just outside of Minneapolis. So here to, like, oh yeah. So I mean, come on. We ski a lot. Dipping into the hot springs, I could not see more than two feet in front of my face. It reminded me of hotboxing cars in high school, or, I mean, seeing other people uh, on TV hotboxing cars in high school, obviously. But every so often, a cold wind would come through and reveal the mountaintops and even though it hurt like hell to get out of that water, I would definitely do it again, probably every day, if I could. Montana on the whole was looking for other forms of revenue besides agriculture, besides mining, right? So, but Montana was looking to increase its tourism base. It's got, it's got, it has a very strong and very successful tourism department that's done their job really well. But, <clears throat> but now in the last five years, and I, I think COVID really, um, added steroids to it, you know, that right after COVID. As we started to back down on it, the flood of tourism was something like none of us had ever seen. Everybody was had been pent up for years, wanted to get out. They also want to get out of the city and get to the most rural place they can. So yeah, it's um, the interest in Montana's ramped up to a, to a really crazy level. But the tourism, is, is, it, is it welcome? For sure. I mean, it's, um, 
it's just <clears throat> responsible tourism, I guess, is what we're all looking for. But we're seeing it. We're, we're definitely seeing more tourism than we've ever seen. It's becoming very obvious why people like to come to Montana. And it wasn't because every time I breathed in, it felt like I was snorting a York peppermint patty. After I dried off and warmed up, I traced my path back to Livingston and got on the highway to Bozeman, where I'd be staying for the rest of my trip, where we will hear about some of the area's most precious natural wonders, one of its best bars, and one of its more prominent meme pages. For real. But first, sadly, we need to take a quick break. Stick around. Hi, my name is Dr. Shane Doyle, and I'm an educational and cultural consultant member of the Crow Nation living here in Bozeman, Montana. I'm a member of the Upsalaga Nation, and so we are located in south-central Montana along the Little Bighorn and Bighorn Rivers, and uh, our original reservation stretched to the Yellowstone River all the way and included all the Yellowstone Park. So this valley here has been inhabited by people for over 12,000 years. We have archaeological evidence of that and many different tribes that still live in this region call this place their homeland. So this was a well-known valley by native people for a very long time and um, it's kind of cool to think about it. Well, you know, any direction you go from in Bozeman is going to be phenomenal. Uh, you can head south into the mountains or you can head north where it's uh, a little more open, pretty desolate. You can head to the east where the Great Plains are and Yellowstone River. And, you know, you can make your way to the Yellowstone Park. Uh, or you can head to the west, again, in deep into the Rocky Mountains. And there's hot springs in all directions. There's hiking if you like to fish. Uh, there's rivers, blue ribbon trout fishing streams, uh, anywhere you go. I personally like to go to areas that are less frequently traveled by the typical tourists and um, even local people. So I tend to gravitate north of Bozeman, um, the valley out towards Maudlow, and going out towards White Sulphur Springs is another amazing spot uh, near the headwaters of the Smith River. If you're gonna make your way to Bozeman this summer, there's a great exhibit at the Museum of the Rockies. The Museum of the Rockies is located up by the university, Montana State University. And in the museum this summer is going to be an exhibit that was curated at the Field Museum in Chicago. And it's all about the Crow tribe. Our real name for ourselves is Upsalaga, but we're known popularly, I guess, as the Crow Nation, the Crow people. And so this exhibit is going to include a lot of amazing artwork and um, really uh, phenomenal historical artifacts. Dr. Doyle works with the Museum of the Rockies, which also features one of the most extensive and, for lack of a better word, coolest dinosaur fossil collections anywhere. They've got one of the best dinosaur exhibits in the world. They've got incredible, real uh, fossils that they're working on. You can actually see people working on those fossils. You know, you could spend hours in just one little section and just learn so much about dinosaurs. And Dr. Doyle, like everyone in the area, definitely had some thoughts on the well-established but still rapidly growing tourism industry in town. So I've been in Bozeman for about 30 years off and on, yep, and I've seen the town change a lot. 
come to Bozeman, have a great time, enjoy the outdoors, but just make sure that you always clean up after yourself. Pack it in, pack it out. Think about the ancient history of this place too. You know, it's not very well known, but I think we're starting to publish more of it as we go. And that someday in the future, when people come to visit Bozeman and go to the mountains and rivers, they'll, they'll know a lot more about the people who lived here for thousands of years. There's a special energy here. It's a, it's a youthful energy, but there's also a sense of sophistication that comes along with it. And it's a type of energy that loves sunshine and cold weather. You know, on a day like today where it's way below zero and it's sunny and clear, there's a special beauty here. In Bozeman, I was staying at the Lark Hotel, which is centrally located in the downtown area, walking distance to dozens of art galleries, bookstores, vintage clothing shops, restaurants, and bars. We like to think of ourselves as kind of the base camp for people for their downtown experience. Tell you to come in and park your car and we'll take care of everything else so that you can just walk downtown, explore. This is Tasha Starr. She's a hotel manager. What I would say about the style of the hotel is very boutique and independent feeling. You know, our motto is kind of everything you need and nothing you don't. So you won't have your typical coffee pots or, you know, refrigerators in the room because those end up really being the things in a hotel that, you know, don't really do well for the environment. And being in Bozeman, we really, we really care. I mean, like part of the Bozeman experience is that it goes hand in hand with uh, things that you can do inside the town, but part of that experience is doing things outside the town as well. And this is Jesse Matthew, guest services supervisor and a born and raised Bozemanite, or Bozo, or Bozian. You get what I mean. Bozeman is like the perfect base camp. Just like 20 minutes away uh, north of us is a ski resort called Bridger Bowl. It's super close by. It's, a, it's like a local nonprofit co-op. So it's super cheap. The barrier to entry is just really, really low. It's super affordable. And then on like south of us, just like an hour away is Big Sky, which is like the second largest ski resort in the country. Ice climbing right now is just going on. It's huge right now. I mean, everything's frozen, so obviously, yeah. <laughs> but it's doing great right now. And unlike a lot of other hotels in towns like Bozeman, the Lark wants you to stay there, of course, but they don't want you to actually stay there. We could milk people for money as much as we want, but it's not quite what we're looking for here. You're not going to experience that in the hotel. You're going to experience that outside the hotel, in awesome. Bozeman. We're very proud of Bozeman. We're very proud of what we can do out here. And if you're stopping by and you're looking for something fun, we, we know where it is. I mean, Bozeman is growing so incredibly quickly and that does bring changes. One thing that would absolutely <laughs> destroy your reputation in this town would be for any kind of disrespect for the outdoor environment, for the city itself. I think that if you're in Yellowstone, you have to have that kind of respect and reverence around the area. It's such a beautiful nature preserve. And we kind of expect the same kind of attitude towards all nature. It's people's homes, both in city and out of the city. The mountains are our livelihood. And speaking of livelihoods, I was ready to go out there and support some local businesses, namely the kind that serve alcohol. 
Um, right around the corner here, we have Blend, um, which is a local winery. And then down the way, we have Plonk. So those are good for people just going out to get a glass of wine or a cocktail, pre-dinner, post-dinner. Naturally, Plonk was my next stop. So uh, Plonk is kind of an Elizabethan um, old school term that means cheap, shitty table wine. It's just kind of the irony of we have the best wine list in the state and um, we're calling ourselves shitty and cheap. This is Brad F.G., one of the owners of Plonk, according to him, the better owner. We have a really fantastic food program and really our mainstay is craft cocktails and the focus on the booze spirit side. Within the walls of the restaurant, we have a bunch of different experiences from a casual lounge section to a high-end dining area. Um, we have a fully stocked wine cellar, one of the best in the state, and um, we do private parties down there. But really the cool part about Plonk, I think, is that, is that you can come in and have a different experience every time that, that you walk in the door over and over and over again. We don't have a host, um, and so really it's just walk in and, and choose your poison for the night. You know, there's nowhere else where you can have a private wine cellar dinner or anything to the other end of the spectrum when we do a special live production of Rocky Horror Picture Show on Halloween. And this is Sam Crutch, the general manager, who has seen the culinary scene in Bozeman change radically in the past half decade. You know, I think probably back in 2003 when they opened, people would come out here and think, I can get steak, and then I can get steak and eggs for breakfast and maybe a steak sandwich for lunch or something like that. The town and the entire area have so many small, independent, audaciously fun bars and restaurants. You could come here and just eat and drink and do nothing else for an entire week and still have a great vacation. Blackbird is a low-lit Italian restaurant seemingly plucked out of the trendiest neighborhood in Brooklyn, whatever that would be right now. Jam is a brightly colored breakfast nook with drag brunch on the weekends. And the food at Planck was so fresh it made me consider why I even want to live in my own stupid, trendy Brooklyn neighborhood anyway. Well, I think the last five years specifically, uh, we've seen such an influx of, of people moving into this area, into Gallatin Valley specifically. And really, since COVID, I mean, really seen a lot of growth. In 2003, when this opened, I think there was a lot of people thinking, wine bar in Bozeman, this will never fly, it won't make it a year. But it, we, we certainly were ahead of the curve when we first opened this place and it did take some time for people to really fully embrace it as far as we changed the dining and, and drinking scene in this town. And in some ways, the fellows at Planck consider the tourism problem to be an offshoot of a general people problem happening everywhere. Let me just back up and say, in some ways, you know, for the most part, there's always the outliers of assholes that are going to come in to a restaurant, and you, those are people that you have to deal with. The, the strain of the last two years has been unbelievable, and we are seeing it seriously reflected in, in everybody. I'm fifth generation from the state, and I'm being more of an asshole than I used to be. So when I do hear that people are complaining about tourists being assholes, yes, of course, they're being assholes. And, um, but the most of them are, are gracious and, and I think are willing to, you know, partake and, and be good people around here. You know, we've had to pick out way more locals than we have, than we have, yeah. than we have tourists, I'll yeah, tell you what. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think most tourists come here without expectations and they're curious. And I think those two things are, if you're looking for a rubric of how to be a good tourist, 
don't come with any expectations and just be curious about where you are. You know, the town is changing, of course, like the country's changing. And my attitude, at least personally towards it is, you know, we can sit here and be cynical or we could be a part of that change, maybe try to influence a little bit of it and get our little piece of the pie too, because there's, you know, with all this growth comes a ton of opportunity, you know. We're, we're kind of at a cool place with this town and certain things are being rewritten. And so if we take advantage of that and do it the right way, the future can be cool for, you know, pretty much everybody. And that's why I'm running for office and that's what I <laughs> So when you're working on something like this, a travel show or a travel article, it is so hard to balance your job of telling people about this admittedly amazing place while also hearing locals gripe about you telling everyone about this amazing place and also hearing from business owners who want to celebrate and share their town. So before I came to Montana, I was just going through some internet rabbit holes and I found this Instagram account, good old Bozeman. They make memes about the influx of tourists and new homeowners in the town, which are actually pretty funny. We have a link to them in our description. And it's not so different from some locals back in Livingston. On my first night, they jokingly referred to the city as Bose Angeles. But there's a lot of truth behind these memes, and people are genuinely frustrated. Yeah, so my name is Leota Kelsey, and I just kind of I live here in Bozeman. I'm born and raised here. I am a seventh generation Montanan. Uh, my daughter is an eighth. I'm a single mother. And so, like, my family has really been in this community and super immersed in it for, like, the past 50 years. I met Leota through the good old Bozeman account, who put out a blast on my behalf, asking if anyone in the area would be willing to talk to some dumb reporter guy looking for a local perspective. She was nice enough to give me a call. The housing, number one housing, is it took a very long time for wages to catch up and wages still aren't catching up because the rent just keep getting higher and higher. Like the average two bedroom is anywhere from $1,700 a month to $2,000 a month within like Bozeman and Belgrade area, which is like double, if not triple what it was about five years ago. And as locals, a lot of them are living in campers. And it's a very, like, sad sight to see because, like, I I was in that situation at one point as well. Like, I've faced homelessness several times uh, in the last few years, um, even with my daughter. While locals, a lot of us may seem, like, bitter, it's they're not mad at the people who are moving here. It's They're more angry at the situation around us. And so it's, it's not really, when they're not mad at the tourists or the people coming to visit or those moving here. And I, 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 that's one thing I feel like a lot of Montanans, it's hard for them to find like the difference between like the people moving here and the people causing the problem for the locals. We can do a lot of hand-wringing about being a responsible tourist or what our responsibility is when we cover a place like Bozeman, like I did, you know, just a few minutes ago. But really, the most important thing, in my mind at least, is to be what we've been calling a responsible tourist. And that starts with doing the blatantly obvious thing, listening to the people who actually live in the places you're visiting. Be conscious of the wildlife. That is a number one thing that, for me, 
it breaks my heart when I see tourists that are, they just don't care. It, that's the number one thing that like at least hurts me is like watching people not like respect the wildlife. And then like the number two thing would be like supporting local businesses and finding these small Montana shops, even doing your research and like finding the ones that have been locally owned for years and years. Don't like try not to shop at Target or try to find like the smaller moms in top grocery stores. And also the third thing is like, be conscious of everybody else around you too. Like um, make sure you're parking properly. Like just don't be a jerk in general, you know? If you see somebody waiting for five minutes at a light, just let them go in front of you. Like it's stuff like that that just like really, it keeps Montana like the big little town that it is. It's just like the little acts of kindness that everybody can do is like what I see as like being the most respectful as you can be. And one other quick piece of advice for me, don't go in the middle of February. Just wait like a month or two. This week is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Usually yeah. it's not this bad. It's the great experience for me. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, we usually get a couple weeks of the year and you came during those couple weeks. This show is produced by myself and Mia Fask, edited and mixed by the otherworldly Dean White and Abby Austria. A special thanks to all of my bosses, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, Brett Kushner, and Emily Feld. That's it for us. Put your trade tables up, leave your shoes on, and we'll see you next week. Bye.